Thank you for tuning in to Late and Disorganized. On this episode, we're going to talk about uh, elasticity and the way the mind works. Um, Think of the mind like a rubber band. And it's a resting form. It's just there. There's no tension on it. It's just existing as a rubber band. When you go through life and you learn things, things that you learn in school, things that you learn in life, things that you learn through viewing something, just something that you can uh, absorb based on your current ability to understand your mind stretches within the available tension of the rubber band and then it after it becomes used to the stretch it goes back to its resting form ready to be used again so when you learn something your mind stretches allows you to learn it once you learn it and it becomes normal and you're capable of understanding it it becomes routine in your mind your mind doesn't have to stretch to absorb the information anymore it's just existing in its resting nature so sometimes when you learn something difficult your mind although rubber band rubber band can stretch and it'll hold that tension and that stretch for an extended period of time that could lead to uh, stress so you see this with children or youth when they're in school and they have a a lot of work to do or they have a, a subject that they can't get it causes them a lot of tension They may even sleep and have nightmares of it, like nightmares of numbers and nightmares of bullying in school or teachers yelling at them, whatever. And, you know, as they learn to cope and they learn to deal, it'll start to uh, become normal and it'll go back to its resting state. PTSD is an occasion in which the rubber band, as a metaphor for the mind, stretches beyond its capabilities and pops. And it can't go back to its resting form because its resting form no longer exists because it can't handle it couldn't handle the tension so now it's like there and it has to be mended over time so if you had a rubber band that could pop because you stretched it beyond its tension 
and you took another rubber band and you uh, cut it in half, you tied it onto the parts that popped and create a brand new rubber band. And now because it's, it's an extended piece, it can stretch further, but it still doesn't have the uh, structural fortitude that it did before, but now it can stretch beyond where it was before. And that's therapy, that's growing, that's um, enlightenment and, asc- and, uh, and ascension. It, these things are usually per, uh, preceded by an event that caused PTSD. And the growth is really resiliency to want to get back to uh, arresting nature. But this isn't just with uh, PTSD. Um, I've recently had an occasion with my uh, youngest daughter who asked me a question about something that was going on in her life. And I was struck with um, kind of a confusion in myself about how do I tell her what I know about this so that she understands it and it can then master it, whatever the thing was, or do I give her kind of the, a children's version of it and let her slowly come to the conclusion herself over time? And I realized that my daughter is very um, emotionally intelligent and has the ability to grasp concepts and you know she has a resiliency to her. So I told her the real life truth involving the subject. And that led to more questions and that led to more answers. And then she was like, okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. And about an hour, no matter of fact, it wasn't an hour. This, the hour thing happened later. And then she sat down and she started crying. And I asked her why she was crying and she was crying because the truth was a lot. For her mind to to handle because it blew away a lot of uh, adolescent thinking about the situation. And then about an hour later, she came back and she asked me the question, when did I gain consciousness? Which I thought was a weird question. And I was like, maybe I already made her cry by being too direct. So let me ask a follow-up question to really understand where she's coming from. And I said, what do you mean by consciousness? And she said, have you ever had a moment where you're sitting down and you're, you become conscious? Then I understood what she meant. Like, we all have that moment when we're a kid 
where we, we think in very kid ways and then we have that moment where, you know, reality kind of smacks you in the face and then a whole bunch of other things start to make sense. It's kind of jarring. I told her that's ontological shock or in other ways you can call it an epiphany. And then she asked me what an epiphany was and I said epiphany is when you have a realization about one thing and it leads to a domino effect where you start to have a realization about a whole bunch of other stuff. And then she said, yeah, that's what I feel like I had. And then I felt bad for giving her the information because now where her mind rests is beyond where it rests before and I'm not sure how it's going to uh, affect her going forward. And I start to realize that that's uh, there's a um, funny enough I like a show called Rick and Morty because it's like written well and it makes a lot of clever intellectual jokes and jokes about philosophical jokes about life things of that nature there's the the uh, main character Rick who is a very very smart scientist with a lot of emotional issues because he's so smart he understands a lot of stuff and he realizes that a lot of uh, things in life come down to nothing but chemical reactions in the brain and essentially nothing exists outside of your own perception which minimalizes a lot of uh, things like love, concern, care. It, it, it intellectualizes things that shouldn't be intellectualized and should be felt. But because he's lived in his state for so long, he's become numb to the truth, the stone cold truth to a lot of things. His body has just become um, immune to the stress that he puts himself under. And there's this scene where he's arguing with his uh, daughter's husband. And his daughter's husband is uh, complaining about Rick being so dismissive and being so melancholy and and apathetic. And Rick starts to um, complain to him that he thinks everything's so simple because he's stupid. And so they get in this whole argument and Rick says, okay, I'm going to, since you think living in my brain is such a, a, a paradise or cakewalk, let's swap minds. So they swap minds and seconds after the son-in-law gets Rick's mind, he commits suicide <laughs> because that amount of knowledge and awareness was too much for a mind, a body, a nervous system that, that hadn't become accustomed to it. It was too painful. It was too jarring, too shocking. So much so that the only recourse that he could think of was killing himself to, to make it stop. And I thought that was, hey, that's, that's very well written because I feel like it's true. Sometimes when you, um, that's why we let kids be kids. 
because when we if you're smart enough to understand that the, the, the adolescent mind isn't ready for what things are they won't be able to handle it and that doesn't just go with children that goes with adults that goes with everyone even me I'm not trying to say I'm above this like I don't want to sound arrogant it's just that um, sometimes when you give people advice you have to take into consideration that you might be able to do it and it seems simple to you because you are you so you're only looking at the uh, positive impact of the changes that you're suggesting because you're not considering the recourse from it because you can handle it. It's not those things are not a big deal. The, 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 the ability to wrap your mind around it, the ability to deal with the shortfalls of it, those aren't you weigh the, uh, the outcome and it to you that's that it's it's a risk reward that there's more reward than risk so sometimes you'll share advice with someone thinking that you're helping them and really you're just really fucking them up because their mind isn't ready for the information that you gave to them and even if they they take it in and don't uh lose it they won't be able to implement it right because when the shortcomings come, they won't have the ability to manage the shortcomings. And it's actually more than likely going to put them in an even more fucked up situation. And they're going to be like, damn, I wish I never took your advice. And it's like, it's not that the advice was bad. It's just that you couldn't implement it. <laughs> so maybe it was better for me not to help you. And let you figure it out because I do more damage helping you than it than I do uh, telling you. And as I do sometimes, we're gonna double back to the idea of religion and whether or not you believe in that there's a God, there's a spirit, there's a, a higher being, a higher consciousness, an intelligent creator. And if everything is uh, kind of orchestrated, sometimes you might be coming across troubles and, and your rubber band is being stretched. It's causing tension because your mind is trying to um, learn what it needs to learn. And it's causing tension, it's causing nightmares, you know, it's causing stress. And you're asking the higher power for guidance and answers. And it doesn't feel like you're getting either. Have you ever considered that? Uh, maybe you're not ready and that's why you're not getting it. Maybe like you asked for things to be revealed so you can figure things out. Maybe you're not ready for the reveal like you think you are. Maybe you're not ready for the reward like you think you are. We all want to achieve and accomplish and get to a higher place. And when we 
think about our ambitions, we always only think about the good things that come with it. And take for granted that with every good thing, there's a negative thing as well. Everything that's good about us is also the reason why there are bad things about us. If you consider that you might be a resilient person, that's what's good about you. You're very resilient. The bad thing is that you don't stop to take in what's happened. You just keep going. You overrun yourself. And then when it finally comes to a point where you don't have to be resilient, all of the things that you skip past, you have to deal with in a state of peace. That's why people who lived in flight or flight for their whole life have been very good at it, struggle with peace because they never learned the lesson of how to deal with things first and not just fight beyond it. And now that you actually have nothing to fight, all you have is the things that you've ignored with the inability of how to um, comprehend or get beyond it. So you look for chaos to put yourself back in the comfort zone of being resilient. You, You give yourself something to fight. When you think about someone who's a people person, who's social in order to be that way you have to be kind of dismissive or ignore a lot of red flags in people and see the what's good in people and not focus on what's the negative in people which can be good for you as a person you'll have a lot of people that you can pull from you have a, a lot of people that you can talk to but then you'll also have a lot of bad people around you that will do bad things that will surprise you because you overlooked the signs that were there. Then that comes with its own troubles. So when you think about um, what you want in life, what's the great get that you want to get? The thing that you're praying for that you feel like is taking too long, you're not getting. Are you the person that can handle the bad things that come with that good thing? Are you that person? Have you learned the skills necessary to handle those things? And if not, say you get it and because you think it's all going to be good and you disregard the uh, difficulties that come with it you'll get that good thing and then you'll be like oh this isn't what I thought it would be and you won't appreciate it 
because now you're overcome with the difficulties of it to the point you're ignoring the thing that you wanted in it. And if there is a creator, a higher consciousness, a parent, so to speak, I would think that nothing would irritate it more than to give you the gift that you want only for you to not appreciate it. So rather than give you the gift and create a situation that you're going to piss me off because you don't appreciate it, the better thing for me to do would be help cultivate you to become the person who would appreciate it so that once you get it, that situation won't occur and I can be or he can be, she can be, they can be, it can be happy that it provided for you and you appreciate it. I can give you it and it'll expand your mind to a point you can't handle it and you'll snap and now you're broken and me trying to help you I broke you so sometimes when we're looking for answers and we're um, not getting them and, and things become stagnant we have to really ask ourselves are we the person that we need to be to receive this. Like if you're someone out there who's lonely and you want to find a partner who cares about you and you recognize that that comes with the ability to care for them. That comes with the ability to be unselfish. That comes with with the ability to be trustful. That it comes with the ability to be trustworthy. That comes with work. It's not just someone who's going to care for you. You also have to care for them. And you have to be capable of caring for them at a high level. Because that that's what you want. Are you that person that can receive that blessing because you also have to be the blessing in order for you to receive a blessing you have to be that blessing it's like asking for a brand new car and you don't know how to drive you don't know how to maintain a car. You don't get the oil changed. You don't get the tires fixed. It's how long before that car becomes a headache for you? Because you don't know how to take care of it. How long before the house that you're asking for becomes a headache for you? Because you can't afford its upkeep. And the taxes that get stacked on top of your mortgage. How long does that job become a headache for you 
because you can't handle co-workers because you can't handle being told what to do because you can't handle politicking and understanding that the, that the work world has a certain way because you just want to do what you want to do how long does your entrepreneurship and your your your, your mind to, to own a business how long before that becomes a headache for you because you just some days you just want a day off because you don't understand finances because of a lot of things that go into being a, a business owner you don't want to deal with sometimes I see a lot of businesses where they open a business and when they first open the business it'll be like a couple and they first open the business the business open almost every day because they they want to create a good impression with the community and have as much people as they can get and because it's brand new a lot of people come because people so you get tired of the 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 normal shit that's around they want to try this new thing and if your, your your product is good enough a lot of people start coming you get word of mouth and business gets crazy and then over time as people start to get used to it you get more loyal customers that come consistently than you get um, that that heavy load of customers and then you start to get the unappreciative customers a little bit more and they start stressing them out and then their life changed because before they were used to working for someone else now they're working for themselves and they got all this other stuff that come with it so before when they were open every other day I mean every day now they open every other day and then they realize well I don't want to work every day because if I don't if, if, if he don't want to work and she don't want to work then we don't get paid and then they start trying to hire people without the expertise about how to hire people and then they go through a string of bad employees and then they they start bitching about the fact that nobody wants to work right they don't know how to pay people they don't understand paying people and, and, and you're paying for their time they didn't learn any of these business lessons they just went into business because they thought it was a cool thing to do but there's a lot of shit that comes with running the business now they they only open the store when they want to and before you know it the store is closed so there's a lot that comes with what you want but you have to understand and be the person that can receive it because your best dream can turn into a nightmare if you're not ready to receive it if you don't have the elasticity to handle the tension so oftentimes when you feel like you're asking for a blessing you're asking for a miracle and you don't get it sometimes it's because you're not sometimes it's because it's meant to be for something further around down the line and sometimes it's because you're not ready for it and if you're not ready for it 
and the blessing isn't coming, maybe you should start preparing for it. Maybe you should start becoming the person. That's like people, that's what people say like, when you do meditation, you do the manifestation meditation. The way you do it is that you manifest the feeling as though you already have what you're asking for. That it already exists in your life. It's another way of saying you're creating the mentality of a person who can handle this. And you can do that in the physical realm by, if you're going to start a business, becoming a person who's up on business. Not just the uh, structural side of it, understanding the bad parts of it. Preparing yourself to know what's coming. What's crazy is that um, I, I, for me, I feel like that's what happened with me having kids at 25. I wasn't prepared for that because I didn't understand my own damn childhood. I, I saw everything through the wrong lens. And once I had kids, I was prepared. And... I have the right mindset that I understand that my children will go through phases and I don't take the phases personally. I'm able to see the phases they go through and manage it and help walk them through it like I wish was done for me. Like right now I got a 14 year old and I got a 13 year old and I know the teenage years are coming. And I know, based on me being a teenager and growing up around teenagers, I know it's gonna be a lot of hard times. I know it's gonna be a lot of unappreciation. I know it's gonna be a lot of attitude. And I know that they can't help themselves. So rather than them saying or doing something, me flipping out and creating hazards for themselves, for them, I can be mindful and be there for them like teenagers need a parent to be there for them. But I also can be stern like teenagers need a parent to be stern. And I have to uh, be on top of it mentally. It's not just something I can just get up in the morning and do. Like owning a business. It's not something you could just get up and do. notice that um, when you are out in public and you have to use the bathroom real bad 
for those of us who don't like to go to public restrooms, see your nearby uh, trusted bathroom. It could be your home or um, a friend's home. So you're nearby the bathroom, you say you're about 15 minutes away, you got, you think to yourself, I got, I can hold this for 15 minutes. You ever notice how when you have to really use the bathroom and you have to get somewhere to use the bathroom, all of a sudden you hit every light? Not only do you hit every light, you hit every slow driver, no matter which lanes you get into. It's like, it's almost like the universe, like you're in the Truman Show. And everyone's trying to stop you from getting home to use the bathroom. Everyone and everything. It really feels like that. But really, it's because you have a goal in mind. And because your mind is so focused on the goal, you notice everything that always happens. And it feels like it's all happening to you to stop you. Those same lights that you're hitting, you're hitting when you're on the way home. Or when you're heading to your friend's home. You're hitting those same lights because they're sequenced the same way. Those same drivers are on the road. It's usually because there's no strongly desired goal that we just kind of let that stuff run in in the background of our mind as being expected. It's expected occurrences And so it doesn't bother us It's like on the um, In the football world Say there's a team that's like 5-0 and And so far they have been facing uh, Up and down teams Or teams that weren't that good But about in three weeks They're going to face a rival and that rival is 5-0. and oh. So no one in the media is looking at the next uh, couple of games because they feel like the big payoff is the rival game. So they get the coaches up there. And the coaches say, for a multitude of reasons, because they don't want to disrespect their opponents, but for the, for the most part, they'll say, We're just focused on the next game. Because when you focus on a goal that's the desired goal, a desired location that's way down the line, everything will get in your way. Everything will feel like an annoyance that's preventing you from the payoff. But if they come to every practice like it's the practice of that day if they train like it's the training for that hour if they take notice and focus on right now and let the future be in the future things won't inevitably get in their way all occurrences will be the typical occurrences that happen And it's the same thing with every other goal in your life. When you, the, the, the thing about goals is that for a lot of us, our goals are our motivation. The focus on our goal 
is the thing that keeps us going. And we feel like if we don't focus on the end, we're going to lose motivation. So we focus really strongly on the end because it's the payoff that we want. Well, when we focus on the end so much, all we ever notice are the things that's preventing us from our goal. Instead of preparing ourselves for the goal that we're going to reach by living every moment and every day as preparation for the goal. So say some of us can't do the hamster wheel of a gym. We put a, a weight goal, a body positive goal in front of us and we go to the gym. And that's how a lot of gyms make their money with subscriptions of people who go hard and then essentially basically lose their motivation and don't want to cancel the membership because they feel like it's giving up on their goal. So that's why gyms can have so many subscriptions and not worry about overcrowding because outside of a few months in the year, it'll be pretty empty. So say you um you wanted to uh, lose weight by any means necessary. And you're not the type of person that you know before you start that gym, you can't see yourself going to the gym consistently, but you're going to try to force yourself. With the end goal in mind about losing the weight. But why can't the end goal be losing the weight and every day you focus on making the end goal possible? You can go for walks and prep for the walk in a way that doesn't utilize any energy. And prepping for the walk, you can go out and find comfortable shoes because that's what's gonna be the most important thing, how your feet and your legs feel. So spend time becoming the person that will be comfortable during the walk. And if the walk is comfortable, you're more likely to do it. So spend time finding the right shoes that feel nice for your walk. If you have a sweet tooth and you have a hard time giving up the sweets, and you like to go to places like Dunkin' Donuts or Krispy Kreme or Wendy's for a shake. The same way you can hop in your car and go there, hop in your car and park half a mile away from it. Just a half mile. You walk to it and you walk back to your car and you walk the mile. In a mile a day keeps the weight away. We all focus on um, our eating habits when we're trying to lose weight. And a lot of times it's 
not that we eat too much, it's that we eat too little. It's that we don't eat breakfast. We don't eat a healthy breakfast. You might eat a snack and be on the go. You might eat a, a, a high and cholesterol breakfast from McDonald's and be on the go, which would lead to us being hungry a whole lot faster. So by the time lunch come around, we end up overeating. And the thing about that is that your body's going to use so much energy to digest that food, it's going to make you sleepy. And then once um, you get out of that mode, when it comes time to dinner, you're at a calorie deficit and you're going to overeat again, which is going to make you not hungry in the morning. And we realize that our bodies are um, fine-tuned survival devices. There was a point in time in humanity's history where food wasn't readily available. So when human beings would come across a large feast, they would overindulge. And their bodies would know, their brains would know another meal may not come for some time because how inconsistently our ancestors would eat. So our body, in order to sustain ourselves until the next time we eat, would store a large portion of what we ate and use that as fuel until the next meal. Unfortunately, our bodies still do the same thing. When you eat inconsistently, our bodies are trained to store the energy for later instead of burning. So your body gets in the habit of when you eat, instead of using it as energy to keep going, it stores it for later and eventually you end up holding on to a lot of weight. So all we really need to do is strategize our days in which what we eat and how we eat is a part of our day. You don't have to go on these big diets and because diets really are supposed to create routine and off, more often than not, we can't maintain that routine. And once we get our desired effect, we stop dieting and our body usually bounces back to where it was before our diet. But if we create a habit of just eating a healthy breakfast, it could be something as simple as a bowl of grits and some orange juice. Just fuel for the day. Fuel for the morning until 11 o'clock when your body needs a, some more fuel. And then you eat a snack. And you're just holding your body, just giving your body enough fuel to get to lunch. And then you won't overeat at lunch because you won't have a, you won't have a calorie deficit from this morning. And because you don't overeat at lunch, your body doesn't go on the overdrive trying to digest all of the food that you ate and you keep another snack and by the time dinner comes you won't overeat at dinner you'll be full 
a lot faster. And when it comes to a lot of us, because of how our parents raised us trying to eat everything on the plate because they didn't want to waste anything, we got used to the feeling of that full feeling to the point that when we're not, even if we ate enough to stave off hunger and we're okay, we'll keep eating because we don't feel we're done until we get that full feeling. But if we keep a bottle of water right there and we're drinking water while we're eating, we're going to come to that full feeling a lot faster. And you just continue that process. You make that what you do during the day. And eventually your goal will just happen. But if you focus on the goal of losing weight and you're putting all this effort into it, eventually every occurrence that will get in your way will get in your way. And that's the great thing about understanding your day, understanding yourself, understanding us as human beings. The more we understand us, the more simple all of this gets.